This is Faith Fulcrum, a podcast for anyone trying to balance faith and tradition with contemporary challenges. I'm Mark Baldrige. I'm Scott Simpson. And our conversation grows from a lifetime friendship born within a Bible-centered community of believers. We don't always agree. So you don't have to either. Weigh what we have to say in the scales of your own faith and see. You're listening to Episode 3, Something to Believe in. What have you been thinking about, Scott? <laughs> well, a lot of things, but kind of in my face, this whole idea of Christian nationalism. Have you heard about that? Yeah. Well, in fact, I've heard of that from a context that's actually quite old. Right. It was a political movement in the United States at one time. Right. But oftentimes I, I see something happening and I think, well, that's Christian nationalism. But I don't also think that the people doing it are necessarily saying, hey, I'm doing Christian nationalism. But that's a, that's a change I've just seen recently. So you're saying you think people are being more overt in their Christian nationalism. Yeah, and I'm saying there are plenty of people who maybe don't even know the term. I think that's why it's helpful for us to talk about this. It concerns me. I, I'll just say I've, I've got some bias around this, so I don't know that we've ever tried to not be biased. Let's never try to not be biased. <laughs> That's, that's <laughs> I'm against a, trying to not be biased. That sounds good. I, I want to start with something different. Quotes from a couple of newer representatives in our Congress. Okay. So this is Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's a Republican from Georgia. She said, we need to be the party of nationalism. And I'm a Christian. And I say it proudly. We should be Christian nationalists. Okay, so very, very straight up. This is what we are. This is who we are. Well, let's just call ourselves that. Right. And then another one, Lauren Bulbert from uh, Colorado, also Republican. I'm tired of this separation of church and state junk, that's not in the Constitution. Yeah, that's a really weird thing to say. Yeah. Maybe this person has not read the Constitution. That's true. And the interesting thing about that is, I think, what she said is a little more like what I hear. I don't really hear people saying, I'm a Christian yeah. nationalist, let's, let's stand up. I hear them saying things like this, maybe having a very, very different view of what the Constitution says or doesn't say than I happen to have. So I'm going to go to Psalms 33, 12 through about 22. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance, despite all of its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. This passage seems to me to be saying something sure. that I, I can see a Christian nationalist grabbing onto and suggesting that, that this yeah. is a prophecy or a promise to us. I do want to point out it's a kind of odd passage in that... It begins, blessed is the nation. So it's talking to, mm -hmm. it seems, the nation. And then at the end, uh, it's saying, may your unfailing love be with yeah. us, Lord. It's like a prayer. And I don't know if it's asking mm -hmm. for blessings exactly. or if it's meant to be prophesying blessings. Because towards the end, he's talking to God and asking for these blessings. I don't know. This this next verse, uh, though, if you're okay with moving on, yeah. this next one is, I think, a little clearer as far as who is talking to whom. Isaiah is speaking to the people. Very clearly. I'm familiar with this passage. Can I read it? Yes, please. This is Isaiah 1, 11 through 17. 
The multitudes of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams, and the fat of fatted animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I'm not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take the evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. It's a great bit. Yeah. So what do you think about this? Well, I've been thinking about this particular passage for 40 years. So <laughs> one of the things I think about is he says very, very clearly and, and just shockingly, who asked you to do all this? Yeah. Well, uh, God, uh, <laughs> that was you, yep. but he is denying it. He does not want to have anything to do with it anymore. He's ashamed, it almost seems like, to be associated with this stuff. Because while you're doing it, there's blood on your hands. And that's not the blood of sacrifices of rams and goats. It's human blood. It's specifically the blood of orphans. There's the blood of widows on your hands because you're not defending them. They are dying and you're not helping. Mm-hmm. And that makes everything you touch impure, and I'm not, I am not. I want any part of it. It's grossing me out. Yeah, yeah. Not only widows and orphans, but also the immigrant, the foreigner among you. There are many yeah. others talk the same way about those. You're mistreating all of these other human beings. You're making it clear that you're referencing other passages similar to this in which God berails his people for not uh, treating the stranger among them the way he demanded that they, they treat them, reminding them many times that they also were exiles. Uh, they were immigrants right. and they were refugees, really. They were refugees in the wilderness and they need to remember that and to treat refugees and uh, immigrants and strangers with the kind of respect they would have liked to have gotten, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it reminds me of what Jesus said to the Pharisees, whitewashed tombs. Okay, you look lovely on the outside, but you're empty. Not just empty. You're (laughs) inside, you're full of rot. And so the dynamic of this is Christian nationalism says, hey, let me utilize the laws the military, law enforcement, whatever whatever powers that be in the nation. Let me utilize those, converting people to the that external, whereas our prophet is saying what's supposed to be inside is a care for the oppressed, a care for for those widows and orphans and, and foreigners among you. I kind of think I see what you're doing now. I wasn't really sure where this was headed. So yeah. are, you, are you maybe suggesting, uh, this seems interesting argument, that it would be okay for us to be a Christian nation if we we were that no. kind of Christian nation? Uh, that's a good... Well, th- let me just, let me just finish my objection, and that <laughs> is, uh, I don't want your interpretation of the Bible to be the one that we all have to live on. Right. Even if I, even if I agree with it. 
candidacy. Mm-hmm. That's my problem with Christian nationalism is I don't think not one of them or any of the others who might be saying that this nation is Christian, has been Christian, and should be Christian. I don't think a single one of them want anyone else's interpretation right. of Christianity to be the one at the helm. Right. If the Protestant era has taught us anything is that any no two Christians do agree and there's always room for schism. Absolutely. So I don't want any, even a, an interpretation I like to be enthroned yep. in, in America and I don't care how good it is. Yep, yep, yep. My thinking about this is the way it's being done is not only wrong according to everything that our nation stands for, it's also frankly wrong according to the documents that those who are doing it are utilizing. Biblical scripture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember in the New Testament. I believe Jesus sent his disciples out to go and, and spread the word. Yes. He said, if they reject you, then just shake the dust off your feet. Yes. And Jesus, you don't see him badgering. No, yeah. <laughs> and the the rich young ruler who comes to him and says, uh, what should I do? And he says, well, what, what did you learn growing up? And he says, well, I've done all those things. He said, well, sell everything you got and follow me. And he says, yes. And he walks away and he says, no, I can't do that. Jesus doesn't run after him and say, oh, come on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You better, you better do it or you're going to hell. You know, I mean, try to convince him at all. No, but you have some verses coming up. Yeah, so let's yeah. move on to those and we sure. can talk politics. That sounds at the great. End. John 18, 33 through 38. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied, your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you've done? Jesus said, my king is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. What is truth? Retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews, gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. Right. In fact, this story has been set up for us by there are t- some knives. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the disciples have hidden knives on their person. They come to arrest Jesus and whack, and I'm going to cut a guy's ear off. Jesus just instantly puts the ear back yeah. on and heals the guy. He says, that's not it. We're not here for that. Put your knives away. This is not the revolution coming finally, Peter, or whoever. It's uh, This is the a, a deeper revolution that I'm, I'm involved right. in. He says it very clearly there, and then w- by the time we get here, we've seen that acted out. He says they would have jumped to defend I me. think what's difficult about this whole thing, though, Mark, is that the reality is for 2,000 years, Christianity has been something that wielded the sword it's sort of disingenuous to say, well, Christian nationalism isn't real Christianity because it actually looks a whole lot like the Christianity of the last 2,000 years. I like it when people say, well, that's not real Christianity. <laughs> all the things I don't like aren't Christianity and all the things I do like are. Okay, well, that's just the things you like. We have a category for that. We don't need to call it Christianity. We can just say things I prefer. What if I say... I don't think that's what Jesus meant. That's what you say when you when you disagree with whatever Jesus just said. <laughs> if you don't like if you don't like what Jesus just said, what you say is I don't think that's what he meant. Yeah. Well, that's not what he meant. It's the tried and tested mm-hmm. method. Let's go to your next passage then. Okay. <laughs> I think it's yours to read. Romans 13, 1 through 7, yeah. 
Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants and give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. There's a parallel, of course, with Jesus. They say, should we pay taxes? And he asks mm-hmm. whose picture is on the coin. And they say, that's Caesar's picture. And he says, well, give to Caesar what is Caesar and to God's what is God's. There are also some statements in here that I just don't believe. That if you do what is right, you don't have anything to fear from authority. Because I think we've seen that not be the case uh, throughout history. People who are followers of of Jesus in the first or second century in the Roman Empire, they're getting in trouble and and even being killed occasionally just for being who they are. Yeah. And so I, I have I, I, I it confuses me. I can a lot. see this. I will tell you this. I think that there is a Christian nationalist movement that is also a revolutionary movement in this country. Yeah. Uh, we saw it in the storming of the Capitol. It's been building for decades, but I it's much more on the surface now. I think that those Christians could not possibly think that this is correct. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let their arguments say that it isn't. I don't have to argue against this passage. I don't like mm-hmm. it, but I don't have to say it doesn't mean that because I think the people we're talking about, Christian nationalist movement, I think they already have said that and they would say it. So I'll, I'll let right. them decide if they want to obey this. Um, yeah. To me, I don't want to be afraid to say what I honestly feel. Yeah. But in this case, I don't think I have to say it at all. I think the the, the Christian nationalist movement will tell will say it for me that this is kind of bullshit. If you want more content like this, we're building a website at faithfulcrum.com. Or you want to get in touch, email us at faithfulcrum at gmail.com. Hey, Scott, we started with a, a hymn from our own tradition, but we're starting new traditions here. You got, uh, you got a new hymn for yeah, us? Yeah, yeah, I think I do. Uh, this is a... I guess a bit of a rousing banjo hymn. Well, I found something to believe in. Believed it with all my heart. I believed it in the light of day. I believed it in the dark. I believed it for so long, you know. Everything else seemed wrong. Something to believe in Something to believe in I was certain that the world Would be saved this way If only I could show them all What my good book had to say They just wouldn't listen Didn't know what they was missing 
something to believe in Something to believe in to believe 